You're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, episode number 71. I'm a doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years. I am Scottish. I can complain about things. Shush. Hi, I'm Don Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Doctor Who, where we discuss everything about the hit BBC series, Doctor Who. Today we're discussing the 10th Doctor story, School Reunion. Joining me today on the panel are Jimmy Aiken. Hi, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, hi Father Corey. How's it going? So, uh, school reunion. It's uh, it's this is a was a big one for the early days of Doctor Who in the sense of they start they're bringing back some familiar mm-hmm. play, uh, names and and faces from the original C, uh, series. So, yeah. Uh, let's let's just kind of set the background. It's the we're in the second season of of the reboot where we have uh, David Tennant as the tenth Doctor. Um, it was originally aired in April. 2006 although uh it says set in 2007 that's right so it's very interesting how and in fact i I think this actually happens for a while in this in the run of david Tennant, where the stories are set later like a year later than they're actually being broadcast right that happened when the doctor came back uh bringing rose back home <clears throat> from an early jaunt and discovered they'd missed by a year and jackie was frantic thinking she'd been abducted and like taken into white slavery for a year right and so uh and so they i i i, I gather that was intentional but they can't cross back over the timeline and go back and and that sort of thing it's now fixed or, or however that works uh, we'll wave yeah, our hand at it. <laughs> we'll wave our hand. The the uh, the ironic thing is that the same exact kind of thing applies to Sarah Jane Smith, the classic Who companion we meet mm-hmm. in this, because her adventures were being filmed in the mid seventies, but she said she was from nineteen eighty. And the writers were inconsistent about are they really set? Are the Sarah Jane stories really set five years in the future or um, or not? And so that's led to the famous unit 70s, 80s dating controversy in fandom. Right. And which we've we've talked about before. And and that brings it to the other to the point was that we have the return of Sarah Jane Smith. Yep. And K-9. Yep. Yeah. This is. I, I jokingly call this the fan service episode. <laughs> this really episode is. exists to get Sarah Jane with the Doctor one and K nine one more time. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, also um, to pr- pretty much did was it intentional to launch the Sarah Jane Chronicles show that was a, a show that grew out of this that, that had Sarah Jane having her independent adventures. Actually, that had been a plan um, from way earlier. Uh, when Sarah Jane left this, or Elizabeth Slade, the actress who plays Sarah Jane Smith, mm-hmm. left Doctor Who in 1976, and by 1981, they were trying to do a spinoff series mm-hmm. focused on Sarah Jane and K9 called Canine and Company, and they got <laughs> as far as recording a pilot episode. That's actually where she got this version of K9. Yep. It's because a Christmas. It was a Christmas special. Yeah, they 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 didn't pick up the series, but they did play it as a Christmas special. And the doctor, although we didn't see him, 
got this canine to her as a Christmas present. And so she, when she initially left the TARDIS, she didn't take a canine with her. Um, canine was sent to her afterwards and appear, and this canine only appeared in that pilot. Okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so the, the Mark Three, because there was a Mark One, Mark Two, both in the series. Right. Yeah. Mark One went with Romana, and then Mark Two is the one that was that was there traveling afterward. Correct. Uh, I think it's. I think uh, Mark One was either destroyed or went with um, with Leela. Leela, that's that's and, who it was. Mark Two went with 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 Romana. That's okay. what it was. Okay. So and then uh, and let's see. Yeah, it and, says. And then uh, obviously, this proved popular enough as a backdoor pilot. They ended up making the Sarah Jane Adventures afterwards. Right. Yeah, Sarah Jane Adventures. Um, I get that which, mixed up which, with the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Yeah. <laughs> totally different. Yeah. Well, there may be living organic, inorganic robots in both of them. I don't know. But um, the uh, but uh, it, it's really interesting how close this episode school reunion is to the Sarah Jane adventures, because not only does it have Sarah Jane, it also is like set in a school and kids play a prominent role and things like that. Right. Which, which is what we see in Sarah Jane adventures. And we will, and uh, this is not the last time we'll see Sarah Jane. She comes back at the end. Uh, is it at the end of the 10th doctor's run? It's the end of the 10th Doctors, yeah, for the end of time and, yes, and yes. so forth. She's part of the Doctor's secret army. Right, 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 right. Uh, yes, because of, because then he visits her for the last time and saves the boy from uh, the car. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's talk about this episode and then listen to the trailer. The, uh, the basically... Um, Ooh, so we're going to finish the episode by listening to the trailer after we talk about it? Awesome. Well, <laughs> Changing well, it up, Dom. Yeah. Well, <laughs> what I technically mean is let's talk about like what what is this episode about? Listen to the trailer, then we'll discuss it. But um, the episode is about uh, this high school that has the all of the teachers and m- much of the staff have been, or nearly all the teachers, uh, have been replaced by these bat-like alien creatures. Um, and the doctor comes to investigate. He meets up with Sarah Jane. They defeat the bad guys. I mean, it's like you say, Father Corey, this is basically a uh, uh, a, a vehicle to be fan service to have Sarah Jane mm-hmm. running with the doctor again. Although not to be uh, uh, missed, uh, missed is the Mr. Finch, the headmaster played by um, Giles, uh, uh, Anthony Head. For, uh, he was Giles on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, who is just oh, per- funny? Yes, just uh, perfect in this in this role. But uh, anybody who's a Buffy yeah. a Buffy fan will recognize him. And there, and there's a bit of Buffy fan service in there as well, with one particular line that I'm sure we'll talk about. Okay. By the way, we should mention that high schools aren't called high schools in England; they call them something else. I don't know if it's primary or secondary or whatever it is, but. For all of our friends over the pond, yes, we know that you call high school something else. <laughs> yes. Please, please enlighten us what it what we should actually call it. Because <laughs> I love I love getting a little bit of uh, a British uh, educate cultural education uh, through through my Doctor Who fandom. Anyway, let's uh, let's take this opportunity to listen to the sound of the trailer. Good morning, class. Are we sitting comfortably? May I introduce Miss Sarah Jane Smith? Hello. Turns out all the kitchen staff were replaced. See, there's definitely something going on. I was right to call you on. You seem to be something new. Mix 
maximum defense mode. Boy in class this morning. Got knowledge way beyond planet Earth. Affirmative, master. Our time has come, my brothers. Today we shall become gods. Oh, my God. Pain and loss, they define us as much as happiness or love. Everything has its time. And everything ends. Yes, uh, I love that canine voice. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> so it's so they the the sh- the the episode starts with this girl, you know, having being sent to the principal's office, and we have this horrific moment of uh, right this, off the bat, right off the bat of the this you know creature uh, played by you know uh, Anthony Head, uh, Mister Finch, inviting her into his office and then eating her. And it's like yeah. this, it's this horrible, like basically we have uh, the story of these horrible creatures who eat children and or otherwise use them uh, to advance their uh, their agenda, um, which is sort of an appeal yeah. to classic fairy tales. I mean, we have the the witch and the in the you know Hansel and Gretel and the witch who who eats children and stuff. And I mean, uh, the, the big I, bad wolf, the big bad wolf, and right, it was, uh, mm-hmm. all of our children's fairy tales are full of these creatures that eat children and it's so horrific uh as a parent i'm like ah don't talk about eating hey, children the purpose is to prepare children for the harsh realities of life by telling them entertaining stories about children being eaten <laughs> exactly. yeah when they misbehave well what's that famous this is, it's the medieval do not trust strangers right exactly it, there was all i mean there's also that i think it's chesterton who said uh we we uh or was it Lewis? We teach, we tell stories about dragons, not to, in order, not because we think dragons are are good, but because it tells us that dragons can be defeated. You know that that sort of thing. So we, that's I think that's kind of the idea is um, to show the the hero defeating evil. Anyway, um, this episode, by the way, is written by Toby Whithouse, who has written mm-hmm. some episodes that we're not as big fans of. Um, uh, you especially, Jimmy, I think, right? Uh, but, uh, and, but it's, but this one is pretty good. I mean, it's, it's like we said, it's, 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 oh yeah. And yeah, he's also written vampires of Venice, the God complex, which is all my, one of my all time worsts, uh, <laughs> a town called mercy. Also another all time worst, mm. uh, under the lake slash before the flood, the lie of the land, which is the worst of the space monks trilogy, and that's what he's written for Doctor Who, yeah. And then yeah. and then appeared in the uh, the, the Christmas Christ special, his final episode. Right, yeah. right. Uh, he was the German soldier in the in the uh, trench. Um, and unfortunately, he didn't get shot because that would have been you know karmatic justice for his writing <laughs> sin. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, although I did like uh, but the um, bef- uh, under the lake before the flood, that there was there was some good that was stuff the, there. Yeah, the least bad of his of his episodes. Yes, that's uh, damning with faint praise. So, mm. um, the, the you know the, we have the the typical funny setup. The doctor gets to be a teacher who's teaching physics while Rose is turned into a lunch lady serving chips. Which is a there's a funny callback to this. But then, by the way, another companion <clears throat> we will see later on. Bill is a lunch lady serving chips. Oh, that's right. And the that. doctor serves as a teacher. Right, right. It's a very funny. Um, I think this this is. I don't. I don't know whether it's intentional or just lazy in that where, where like we the, there's that juxtaposition the two roles that are in a school that that are two most different the teacher who's at the you know the the pinnacle of the you know of the of the hierarchy within a school mm-hmm. and the at the low point is the lunch lady um, they they do oh, this okay. quite a bit 
So we'll see how daring they are once Jodie Whittaker takes over the helm, whether we'll see the other companions as teachers and Jodie Whittaker as the lunch lady. Well, that'll mm. be that, that would go over <laughs> well. <laughs> that would be, well, there was also the one where the doctor lost his memory um, when uh, you know, in the World War One time period when he was with. Um, um, Martha Jones. Martha, Martha Jones. Jones. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Like I have a mental block now against Martha Jones. I can't remember her name. Martha <laughs> Jones. A good companion. She was just short. I, you know, her time on the show was short. I guess. I, don't I guess. Know. I guess. Well, except for, except for Rose, all of the David Tennant companions were just one year, and Rose was only two. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, but anyway, she, she was a, a maid, and he was a teacher. So there yep. seems to be a a bit of a, a trend there. Um, we have this. Uh, the the kids in the uh, this this moment in the lunchroom there was this funny line um, the doctor says happy slapping hoodies with ASBOs and ringtones what <laughs> like he uses this ASBO antisocial behavior disorder or something like that okay okay I, was, I didn't know whether it was some uh, a British slang I was missing but ASBOs uh, yeah, it's, yeah it's it's some kind of slang okay uh, <laughs> so. Apparently, Mickey found out about something weird going on at the school. Uh, Mickey the yeah, hacker. So Mickey gets credit in this episode for something. I mean, right off the bat. Yeah, that's although, nice. Yeah. Although he ends up being the dog, but we'll t- get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> but then he's immediately, what, he's hacking army records up to the point they get classified? Exactly. <laughs> really? Oh, well, no, come on. You you know that the, the army puts everything online. If it's unclassified, you can just go look at it. It's not a big deal. It's well, only when it's classified, <laughs> you know, Torchwood level or above that it they keep block it, you. Keep in mind, he was controlling uh, cruise missiles uh, a few uh, uh, episodes yeah. ago. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, For a guy who works at the garage, they haven't really set up his cyber, you know, kung fu background well. I mean, he should be, he should be doing a lot better for himself than uh, just working in a garage, I'm going to say. Um then so but we have all of these kids are sort of they're they're acting kind of strange you know at first we see just a, a little just, I'll just a touch a, super geniusy yeah yeah but except for this one kid this poor kid Kenny because it's it's always a kid named Kenny uh, yeah <laughs> this poor kid Kenny um, and he seems to be immune to whatever is happening to all the other kids uh, because he's not eating the funny tasting French fries the rose. You know, mentions to the doctor that the chips taste funny. Um, and Kenny says, I'm not allowed to eat them. And we, we also find out that uh, school lunches are free but compulsory, which comp- compulsory, <laughs> like just is very yeah. strange. Um, but also it plays into the horror bit again, because kids, you know, hit, you know, it classically hate school lunch you know it's so it mm-hmm. kind of i think it plays into this it's 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 i think this it, episode sort of in one way aimed at the f- uh classic fans but it's also kind of aimed at teens that uh that that right. sense i guess um well they well they touch on it you know the idea of being in the school how creepy it is to be in the school after it's when it's a dark and it's closed and the teachers uh, living in the school and things like that have you guys ever done that have you ever been to your like school at night in, oh, you know, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We would put on plays. You could go wander the hallways oh, between the acts. It was always weird and creepy to, to deal with, to, you know, to, to be in the school uh, late at night. And right. Yeah, like half the lights are off and it's dark and it's, it's yeah. weird noises or. And well, in the other half of that is, is oh, the teachers, we always thought the teachers slept in the school. But 
you know, when you encounter your teacher outside of school, like in their personal life at the oh, at yeah. the store or worse, like at the beach or something, you know, <laughs> where like, <laughs> like wear like a swimsuits, like um, you're you, you, not supposed to be here. You know, that sort of thing. You don't wear suit and tie though your whole life. You know? <laughs> yeah. that, that's interesting. I never because to me, the idea of the teacher sleeping in the school never occurred to me. Right. I was kind of surprised when Rose said that because it, I guess I grew up in a small university town. So mm -hmm. all of the, you know, almost all of the school teachers were the wives of the college professors. Right. And so to me that, you know, it, right. I knew they had an external life because they were, they were, I knew the people they were married to. And so mm -hmm. I had a larger context than just the school for them. I think, I think go ahead. I was gonna say, you know, in bigger, bigger cities, especially where the odds of actually running into your teacher or somebody related to your teacher outside of the school is, you know, little to none because there's so many other people you run into that you wouldn't even realize the connection. Yeah, I see. I grew up in a, a, a suburb very that's close to Boston. So, you know, the, the odds are that most of the teachers lived in surrounding towns. And, you know, they didn't live in the same town. So uh, although a few did. Um, and so it's. It's just you don't expect them to like when you're a kid, people fit into a box and, and you don't mm -hmm. expect people to exist because we're so self-centered when we're at that age. We don't expect like their lives end the moment they're out of our sight, you know, and mm -hmm. then restart when we see them again. And I think that's sort of the, how that plays into it, that uh, that idea. But it's also this like, you know, the teachers are for kids. Teachers are strangers in a sense because we don't know really usually we don't know much about your teachers personal lives uh unless unless you you know uh, uh, like you said from a, t a small town where everybody knows each other but very often i think for most kids you don't really know much about them but yet you're very uh intimately connected to them they're part of your daily life they're and mm -hmm. so they're they're kind of this strange creature and i think really that's kind of what this plays into is, is that the the you know, school is a strange place where we're locked in, we're regimented, we're warehoused or industrialized in some sense, you know, run by these strange people, teachers who we don't really know very well. And I think that's kind of making that sort of gothic with this story. Um, mm -hmm. So another example of Doctor Who taking something ordinary and a source of anxiety and taking it up a notch. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So and then um, we have uh, the we have, so to advance the plot a little we have these lunch ladies who uh, Rose finds uh, they're ro rolling in this giant barrel they're all wearing like full chemical hazard gear uh, they have this barrel with alien writing on it like, does this not look suspicious like oh you know doctor <laughs> they're they're doing something weird no kidding. <laughs> Like, yeah, I think. Like, like, this isn't just like, huh, I think there might be something suspicious going. This is full on alien barrel rolling through. Did someone? Well, <laughs> you know, you could always assume it's some kind of like oil imported from the east that uses a different <laughs> alphabet you're not familiar with. Yes, that's a, that, that, that would be an oil the I would not want to eat any food. New yeah. Mons Monsanto soybean <laughs> oil for French fries or whatever. Right, right. Um, but I yeah. like I like when they when they spill the barrel and one of the alien workers is instantly like shrieking. They take her off into 
another room and Rose is calling an ambulance and one of the other aliens comes out and is a lunch lady and so, or dinner lady, I think they yeah. were, they're called in the yeah. episode um, and says, uh, oh, no need to do that. She's fine. <laughs> and then you hear this scream from the other room. She does that. <laughs> she <Yeah>. does. <laughs> it's so weird. And then uh, and then so then we have where the when the doctor uh, meets Sarah Jane and he's so. Uh, see, this Taken. is yeah. This is where David Tennant really shines. Is that is that that joy? This is really one of the aspects of the Doctor that um, other other actors, for better or worse, have not played off. But David Tennant really did this very well, which is just that absolute delight in in the world around him. Uh, yeah, and and he has not identified himself as the doctor to Sarah Jane at this yeah. point. He just, yeah. she's being brought into the school. She's an undercover reporter or not undercover, but she's a reporter, which is what she was in the original series. Mm -hmm. And so she's picked up on weird vibes about what's going on at this school. And so she's come to do a story on it so she can investigate what's happening. And in the course of her getting a tour, she's introduced to the teachers. And so one of the teachers is, is the doctor using the alias John Smith, mm -hmm. which is what the alias that the doctor used in her day. Yep. And she think and she immediately reminisces and says, Oh, I have a friend who used to used to go by that name. And he he's just delighted in meeting her and realizing she, who she is, but he doesn't identify himself at this point. Now, for people who who are new to Doctor Who, there's a couple of important things you need to understand about Sarah Jane. She was the most popular companion mm -hmm. of the of the classic series, and she just regularly voted the most popular uh, companion. And she was the most not just the most popular companion, but she was the companion to the most popular Doctor Tom Baker. Mm -hmm. uh, she was also a companion of the third Doctor John Pertwee. But really, when the series got super famous and where a lot of Americans learned about it was with Tom Baker and Sarah Jane. That was their formative experience of Doctor Who. And the two of them uh, went on bunches of adventures together, a lot of which Elizabeth Slayton runs through in rapid fire succession. Yeah. Now, I met the Loch Ness Monster. That was, um, I love that scene between her and Rose. That's absolutely yeah. hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And, and we'll, we'll, and you know, kind of spoiler for this podcast, we'll, we'll see one of the fourth Doctor Sarah Jane adventures next week. That's right. right. Um, but uh, eventually Elizabeth Sladen left before and before Tom Baker did by several seasons. And so um, so she left in 1976 in a, in a serial called The Hand of Fear, which is otherwise pretty forgettable. But it has her departure scene at the end. And previously, companions tended to go come and go kind of lightly. Um, they they. In classic Who, they off they didn't get whole stories building up to their departure. But in this case, after the main adventure, the way they handle it is uh, the doctor gets a telepathic summons to come from to Gallifrey, and he realizes he can't take Sarah Jane with him. Um, they don't really say it in Hand of Fear, if I recall correctly, that they do hear that humans were not allowed on Gallifrey at the time. Um, I, it's, I think it's more ambiguous in the original. It's been a while since I watched it, but it's more ambiguous in the original why he can't take her with him. Um, the speculation at the time was because the previous occasion on which the doctor had been summoned to Gallifrey, 
was at the end of the second doctor's incarnation and he was put on trial and his companions had their memories wiped. And so the speculation was the doctor didn't want that to happen to Sarah Jane because he cared about her too much. And and so when it came time to write it, you know, they had some some stuff that they'd written, but it, it, it wasn't up to snuff. And the producers finally said, look to Tom Baker and Elizabeth Slayton, you guys know these characters. You guys need to figure out how they part and what the emotional beats mm -hmm. of that are. And so they basically let them improvise it. And um, so the two of them had Sarah Jane had been feeling like the doctor had been underappreciating her. And the two of them were kind of squabbling at this mm -hmm. point. And she was threatening to leave the TARDIS. And she even goes off to her room and packs her stuff. And it's and while the doctor is absentmindedly fixing a TARDIS console. And then he gets the telepathic summons and she comes back threatening to leave the TARDIS and he lets her. Mm -hmm. And and there's this very sad moment where he's I mean, he explains to her, I've been summoned to Gallifrey. I can't take you with me. But she was on. She was really just threatening to leave to get him to appreciate her more. And suddenly she's out of the TARDIS right. for reals. And uh, he, he drops her off, he thinks, in her home of South Croydon in London. And then as soon as he's gone, she realizes this isn't even Croydon. Um, and in this episode, we learn it's Aberdeen. <laughs> um, <laughs> Which, for those who but, aren't familiar with the uh, with British uh, ge geography, uh, Aberdeen, Scotland. <laughs> yeah, not, yeah, not London. That's quite a ways away. <laughs> yeah, although I love David Tennant's line, well, that's next to Croydon, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so we had with Sarah Jane, she was this very memorable companion. That's why they brought her specifically back. And she, mm -hmm. in particular, had this unfinished business with the doctor that adds the poignancy to right. why didn't you come back for me and so forth. Right. And it's and that, that makes it all the more fitting that this is really the first episode of New Who where they dug back into classic Who. You know, yeah. we've, we've had little teasers and little, you know, comments. References. But, but nothing as significant as this where there's a clear connection between classic Who and New Who. Right, right. And and so we have this this when she does realize it's the doctor. Oh, um, there's an awesome moment. She sees the TARDIS yes, in the right. stool and it's, it's like, like how did that get there? Yeah. <laughs> and so you could see you could almost literally see the world shift under her feet like the just her like her mind get, get turned around in that moment like this because and I think they do a really good job of this traveling on, on the TARDIS as a companion changes your life. Even after Absolutely. you're gone, like after you're done traveling, you're never the same. I mean, how could you be mm -hmm. traveling exactly. through time and space? And and there's a there's a bit of the doctor, I think, that's left as part of you where you are, where you still feel that tug, the wanderlust, the travel bug, the, well, that, that, the adventure. Well, that, the conversation about that in the, the pizza parlor there. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, really sums that up well, I think. You know, it's like, how could I go back to regular life after everything I've seen and done? Yeah. Right. And Rose confronts that. Rose is seeing her future in Sarah Jane because mm -hmm. she realizes as this has happened to Sarah Jane, the same thing's going to happen to me one day. And she's already had a taste of that in the end of the bad wolf cycle where she where the TARDIS dumped her off back in her ordinary life. And. Mm -hmm. She was separated from the doctor and it's like, how am I supposed to go back to telly and chips 
after right. that. And so it's really emotionally effective. What's interesting, though, is really this is something that almost only applies to Sarah Jane and Rose. The other companions to this point in the series have, um, in both series, including the classic, typically don't get dropped off in ordinary life the way Rose and, um, and, and Sarah Jane have. Um, mo they, they, occasionally they die. Occasionally mm -hmm. they choose to leave the doctor to get married. Mm -hmm. Um, occasionally in one case, they, two of them had their memories wiped. So they didn't, yep. so they didn't remember their adventures, but it's, if you do a tally, it's really just, uh, Rose and Sarah Jane and Susan mm -hmm. that have been dropped off these ways. Right. To some extent, you could kind of say Tegan, uh, because she left and then came back. Yeah, but it was by her own request. Sure. I mean, she was like, I want out of this. This yeah. is not for me. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Um, there's a... Uh, what was I going to say? The, um, the doctor's response to Rose... And Sarah Jane, well, actually, in the, in the specific instances to Sarah Jane, he talks about how, um, like, he can't, like, there's a, he kind of brings in the sort of a romantic aspect, like, with Sarah Jane, like, that in hints yeah. that there was, that he, his feelings for her were more than just it was for the other companions. And, and, but explains to her, like, as a virtually immor immortal being, he, you know, he says in this interesting line, she can spend the, the rest of her life with him. But he can't spend the rest of right. his life with her. Yeah. And he, he he gets he talks about how humans wither and die. And then he talking to Rose and he says, imagine watching that happen to someone you. And then he stops because mm -hmm. the obvious word is love. And mm -hmm. Rose says someone you what? And he won't answer. Um, right. and, and, and we see that, you know, so we've got that. Also, we get the same thing confirmed from Sarah Jane's side at the end of the episode where, um, the doctor is talking to her about, she's got another story to tell her grandkids. And she says, well, I'll have to tell someone else's grandkids. And he said, and she, he says, oh, you never met the right person. And, he, and she says, well, there was this one guy, but he was a really tough act to follow. Mm -hmm. Right. And so we had there and there was, of course, back in the 70s, there was lots of shipper stuff between, you know, about the fourth doctor and Sarah Jane. They never on screen confirmed romance. But this episode basically does that. Right. Right. Um, or at least there was at least uh, a feelings, if never, never outwardly said even then. Uh, the interesting thing to me is that Mickey throughout this episode seems to have settled on the idea that the doctor and Rose, like the doctor is, is Rose's boyfriend, right. which yeah. is, which is interesting given that Mickey's still hanging around. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I wonder something like whether he, like sometimes I felt like um, Mickey still has, I mean, I think he's pretty clear. He still has feelings for Rose and he says these things sort of hoping that she'll say, no, he's not my boyfriend. And, you know, right. and sort mm -hmm. of, and, yeah. I, and I think it, there's, there's that element of Mickey kind of hanging on uh, oh, yeah. there. Totally. And and then he, he worms his way onto the, onto the TARDIS. I don't think so much because he wants sci-fi adventures as he wants to try to get back on the playing field with Rose and right. the doctor. Right. And we see this and, play, uh, play out again a little later with, but, it, but to different effect with Amy Rory and the 11th doctor. Yeah. Um, that, tr that triangle, uh, 
but where it's pretty clear that Amy's with Rory. Uh, yep. and, and you get the, and then yeah. of course we find out that, you know, the doctor After is the episode son. Amy's choice. Right. They, we, we found out that the doctor is their son-in-law anyway. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, whole, thing, that whole thing gets weird. Yeah. Notice also how, um, how Mickey is, and I really like the way Mickey comes off in this episode. He mm-hmm. is a very interesting character. He's much more sympathetic than we've had before. He makes astute observations. Mm-hmm. Um, even he, even though he's not always right, his observations are astute. Like when he's talking to Rose under the premise, which is not, she doesn't really deny that the doctor's her boyfriend, but he's pointing out, look, he's just another bloke. Right. And, and he's got this history that he's with women that he's never mm-hmm. told Rose about. And, uh, and then he also to the, uh, to the doctor says, you know, welcome to every man's nightmare. The, you, you got the missus and the ex. <laughs> exactly. that, was, that, was great <laughs> that was really great. Uh, yeah. And I feel like Mickey sort of comes into his own here. I think, uh, as a character, like the in the first season, Mickey was just kind of an annoyance in many ways. Yeah. He's played off as a, a fool. I think he's starting to come into his own. I mean, he still played for a, a laughs a bit here, like the whole yeah. thing where where he's talking about K nine. He says, "I'm the dog," you know, and that's what sort of I'm like, the tin dog. Yeah. yeah. Well, and there's more to that than you might. It, there's a little bit more to that than maybe obvious because the 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 dog has just you know been technical backup for the doctor. He's analyzed the oil and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and told him it's crillotane oil. And so the doctor has just been doing stuff. And then in explaining his relationship to the doctor, to Sarah Jane, Mickey says, you know, I'm their technical backup because he's been doing this hacking and stuff for them. And as soon as he says, I'm their technical backup, that's the point of connection. And he says, oh, no, I'm the tin dog. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about the tin dog. Um, as oh, we God, said, that's canine canine. Uh, Sarah and Sarah Jane's, like you said, has been uh, holding on to canine state of the art science in the year 5000, which now to an, an audience, even in 2006, uh, you know, a dozen years ago. That would seem that would feel like a funny statement. Like, like mm-hmm. if we were to build a robot dog for a TV show today, it would be much more, you know, advanced looking. And it's just that the, the this idea of you know the just a retro style. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. retro is in the year five thousand. Yeah, maybe yeah. that's what it is. Um, but but like what what kind of role did did canine play in the classic series like what you know was he was he like a, a full a full equal companion or was he just he was tech? A, he was a subordinate companion he had mm-hmm. a personality um the it, which is very much like what you see in this episode um he would occasionally be the muscle and shoot stuff he'd be the um, shooty dog shooty dog as they said in this episode yeah <laughs> ignore ignore the shooty dog thing which i'm told is a reference to the kind of uh, dialogue they used on buffy oh ah. right right um <laughs> But uh, but he would do that. He would provide analyses. Um, but, you know, given his limited, he would be a comic foil at times. Mm-hmm. Like in this episode, we have the you're a good dog canine. Affirmative. You're a bad dog canine. Affirmative. He would do stuff like that. Right. Um, so he was kind of a, a sort of Swiss utility knife companion. He wasn't a full blown personality, but he had a number of concrete functions on the show that he performed. Okay. He sometimes too he would be kind of like the uh, 
he kind of bumped the drama up by all of a sudden, you know, he'd have a memory glitch or his batteries would run. That's the big one is always, you know, he was yeah. using his la nose laser too much and his batteries would die. I hate when that happens. That's why I always and carry a, he, a power pack for my uh, shooty dog. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, one thing, too, in the old series, I, I've been I've read articles about this where the canine model was horrible to try to remote control within the cameras because it yeah. would be affected by the lights, be affected by the cameras. And all of a sudden, you know, they'd be filming with it and just take off. <laughs> they got a bad signal from somewhere. I, I, I presume the new one that they built, they fixed a lot of those issues with more modern technology. Oh, yeah. But yeah, the uh, uh, also I was reading once about they had a couple of different guys who did the voice of canine. They changed his voice at one point, and I forget which one it was. But during like table reads and on set, the voice one of the voice actors would actually get down and crawl around on the floor like canine. <laughs> <laughs> that wouldn't be distracting at all. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, so, so here's 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 an illustration of how this episode is sloppy fan service. Um, if canine has broken down years ago and, and Sarah couldn't get him fixed for legitimate reasons, I mean, his technology is way out of date and she shouldn't mm -hmm. let other people see it anyway. Um, why did she bring a broken canine on this adventure when she wasn't expecting to meet the doctor? And then why did they fix him at the table of the pizza parlor? Right. Well, I can, <laughs> I mean, I can give him that, too, but... but that's like fixing an iPhone around a table where people don't know what the tech is. Right. You yeah. know, I can give him that. But but why does she take up the space in her car with this hunk of junk uh, if she's not expecting to meet she the doctor? Probably, that makes no sense. Well, if it's anything like just hold up. <laughs> I was going to say, if it's anything like, anything like me, I've been carrying like a broken like uh, batteries and stuff in the back of my car, waiting, finding some place to get rid of them. Uh, that's that was kind of my thought was she was she had him with just because she basically left him in the car so he's out of the way. <laughs> I mean, but I, I see I get your point. Yeah, and it's it's sort of the, the we were supposed to kind of wave our hand at the fact that K nine just happened to be right and, there where and, she could show him. Yeah, and there are a number of things like that in this episode, like when the when they're standing outside after they fixed K nine. And the doctor uses the word Time Lord and Mr. Finch realizes he's a Time Lord and sends the bat form Krillotane to sort of attack the doctor, but not really, and then fly off. And it's so pointless. The characters even say, I wonder why it did that. And we yeah. never even we never even get an explanation on that. And was it invisible or I think it was. No, it was visible. They saw it. Yeah. They saw the silhouette against the moon. Later on, you know, once we find out there's this plot for they're using these children to to unlock the master Legopolis mathematical key to restructuring the <laughs> yeah. universe. Right. Um, it's like, okay, why do they need human children to do this? I mean, they, ex they explain they can't use the oil themselves anymore. Right. But it just seems odd that this would happen after they're, they're this spacefaring civilization and they need backwater earth children to help them with this. It's um, it's very yeah it's it's this the get this it's the MacGuffin you know which is that yeah. that term for the, the the object that that there's no explanation except to to be part of the plot and and that's right. what this is the Krillotane is this MacGuffin uh, but yeah. like how does cracking the equation give you control I mean I suppose it's, it goes back to that Legopolis episode we were talking about before yeah. where they, they don't say the Legopolis yeah. yeah they don't they don't mention that but that's the obvious parallel and then. 
at the end, we've got the so canine says I'm just ticking off stupid fan service things here right. that have <laughs> that have no point. Um, the canine says even though he's recovered from his power pack being drained, he now says he needs to be put by the barrel of Krillotane, so he's got to be left behind. And the doctor's like, "Oh no, I can't eat, leave you behind." It's dude, it's a broken Mark Three. You can make a perfectly good Mark Four, which in fact you later do dude. in the same episode. Right. Don't don't give me robotic deaths as anything meaningful. In this context. Well, and that's the thing is, is does does the and, and, does the canine personality I, is it unique to the individual model or no, they're all they're, all the canines have basically the same personality. It's 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 not like it's it's a unique individual. Well and, and then and I know when they went between the, the Mark One and the Mark Two is basically they backed up to the TARDIS. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, they talk yeah. as I recall they talk about that where the Mark II had all the memories of the Mark I because he backed up from the TARDIS. Yeah, it's okay. like getting a new iPhone and iPhone restore. Right. <laughs> um and 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 then lastly I wanted to mention so the bat people get sprayed with the oil that's toxic to them and the school blows up. How, Are you serious? What? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Right. Oh, oh, also, also, the doctor destroys their plan to take control of the universe by crashing a chair into a monitor. Oh, no, 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 no. It's even worse. It was Mickey pulling the plug on the router. <laughs> right, right. Well, there was one plug yeah, into the wall and that's what ended it. Well, well that's, I, that's what get, that's what gets the kids out of their part of it. But, it, right. but the, the guy goes to Mr. French goes to shrinking like all is doomed. After the doctor destroys a monitor. <laughs> well, because don't you know that the computer is the monitor? That's uh... <laughs> Well, maybe it is if you've got an iMac, but that's not an iMac. <laughs> well, what, the other thing I love is the doctor's trying to get into a 16-port Ethernet switch, but it's deadlock sealed, and he's frustrated. I'm like, I know how that feels. I've yeah. <laughs> Networking is the worst. <laughs> I also love how whenever he's like working on a computer thing, he's always looping cables over himself. You know, oh, yeah. when he tries mm-hmm. to get into a computer, like uh, looping cables. It somehow it makes you makes you like easier to hack into a computer. Uh, yeah. So let's let's talk about like the, this this um, confrontation between the Doctor and Finch. Um, mm-hmm. They try that to build actually, this up. Th- yeah, yeah, and that had some nice elements where the Doctor Finch initially tells the Doctor, "You're going to join me." And then he he builds it up as we can fix all the stuff in the universe that's gone wrong. Right. And and save your people and the doctors for the first time. This is the first time since the time war he's heard this idea Mm. of he could save everybody. And it it actually is tempting to him for a minute. And that's nice. It's an interesting it's it's Faustian bargain, which which is a reference to uh, uh, German opera uh, Faust, where the devil tempts the guy with everything you could ever want. Uh, you know, it's and and all you have to do is give me your soul, and that's essentially what the doctor would end up doing is, is he'd be giving up these children to these to these uh, creatures. Uh, but it's Finch says that the Time Lords used to be peaceful to the point of indolence, which is interesting. And the wow. doctor the doctor replies to him, "I'm so old now. I used to have so much mercy." I think that's a very interesting line. Um, yeah. That like he's almost like mercy is a luxury of the young, uh, mm-hmm. where I'm I'm old now, where I've seen so much, uh, I've I've had that sense of mercy beaten out of me so much that I'm not I'm I, like I don't have time to push it around with you. 
you know, the either do what I say or you're going to get the, you know, the, the uh, you're going to get it. Um, so I just thought that was a very interesting line. Uh, I'm so old now. I used to have such mercy. Um, then uh, we have the this confrontation at the end where where he's trying to make that bargain and the, the Finch or was it Finch or the doctor who list these of civilizations he could save Pergonon and uh, Asinta is are those ring a bell are those just names picked out of the uh, air or are they some from something I I I I don't remember any of those okay. so as far as I know they're just made up for this episode okay okay which so, is a little surprising because there are I mean, a lot of the other references that like Rose and Sarah Jane make are actual previous adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it may be that the doctor hasn't um, lost that much that in order to come up with a list of civilizations he would want to save, they need to invent some because he generally ends up saving them. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and and the but the interesting thing is is that in the end it's Sarah Jane who stops the doctor from going into the in, you know into it, you know giving into the 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 offer, the bargain. Um right. you know, he says at I which could, point at which point the monitor meets the curse of the fatal chair. <laughs> right. But what what she says I thought was she says is interesting. So he's like I could stop the war and Sarah says no, the universe has to move forward. Pain and loss, they define us as much as happiness or love, whether it's a world or a relationship. Everything has its time and everything ends. So obviously she's. I, I didn't buy that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's <laughs> she's talking there as much about herself, your, her relationship with the doctor as she's talking about, you know, the, the yeah. time. But well, but I think the idea is like you, you can't keep trying to change the past, um, you know, dwelling on the past, on what you could have done. You, you just have to move forward. And I think that's, I mean, I think that's sort of the, the lesson that we're, that of this episode, if there is one, if there's a moral of the episode, it's, you know, the past is good to remember, to think, you know, to, to, to think about occasionally. Um, and to spin off from. And to spin off, but, <laughs> but not to, not to live in it, not to dwell on it. What, you know, what could have been, uh, and it's a interesting thought, um, by the way, I love in this episode the uh, character arc that Rose and Sarah Jane have, where initially they don't know who each who each other are, and then they have shock, and then they progress to rivalry, and then they progress to bonding, mm-hmm. and they end up together with the two of them embarrassing the doctor. So they kind of <laughs> teamed up against the doctor. Right. And I just I love the different phases of their relationship that we see. Right. Well, this, that was yeah, that scene where they're sitting there laughing at the doctor over his little quirks and everything. He looks at you looking like, the TARDIS. And do, <laughs> yeah. do you want to roam? Yeah. <laughs> and he's all like, what? 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 Yeah. <laughs> hey, this is serious. We got a problem here we're going to work with. Hey, yeah. well, hey. <laughs> According to some production notes I saw um, to guarantee a genuous, a genuine laugh reaction in that scene. David Tennant came out wearing a fake mustache. <laughs> and so their, their reaction is you can see Rose point at him. And that's why, because they're both shocked and, and, and hysterical over the way he looks. <laughs> so the, this is the, uh, the, the back and forth between Sarah and Rose. It, it's, it's good. It's, it's, it's good enough to, to kind of get into. So, um, 
Sarah's like, I was just saying how hard it was adjusting to life back on Earth. And Rose says, the thing is, when you two met, they'd only just got rid of rationing. No wonder all that space stuff was a bit too much for you. Yeah. So for, for people who are too young to know what that means, he's implying they got together right after World War Two, not in the yeah. 70s. And then uh, Sarah rejoins, uh, I had no problem with space stuff. I saw things you wouldn't believe. Rose, try me. Sarah, mummies. Rose, I've met ghosts. Sarah, robots. Lots of robots. <laughs> That's coming up next week uh, on The Secrets of Doctor Who. Yep. Rose, mm-hmm. Slavine in Downing Street. Sarah, Daleks. Rose, met the Emperor. Sarah, antimatter monsters. Rose, gas mask zombies. Sarah, real living dinosaurs. Rose, real living werewolf. Sarah, the Loch Ness monster. And then Rose, seriously, listen to us. And then she goes on about how they're going, they're doing this over a man. Um, yep. And then they get into, does he still stroke bits of the TARDIS? Uh, and that's when the doctor comes in uh, and he says, how's it going? And they're laughing at him. What? Listen, I need to find out what's programmed inside these. And they start like hysterically laughing at him. He's like, what? Stop it. <laughs> so great scene. That's a, I just love that back and forth. That was well, well oh, yeah. done. Well acted, well written. Another piece that was kind of interesting, if you if you know the backstory, well, I guess two things real quick. One of them, um, Sarah Jane uses a line at the beginning where she says, I see your assistants are getting younger, referring to Rose. Right. And um, and Rose doesn't recognize the word assistant. Mm. And it's like, I'm not his assistant. And and that reflects the fact that today companion is the established term for the people who travel with the doctor. But originally, they were frequently referred to as his assistants because doctors have like lab Mm -hmm. assistants. And so the people who help him in his adventures were often called his assistants. And so that's kind of a neat use of a neat callback to a term from the original series fandom. Right. Um, Also, something I really liked uh, at one point, Sarah is talking to the doctor and she says, I thought you died, which mm. is, a, you know, something that she could extrapolate from. He never came. He went to Gallifrey and he never came back. And because she presumably knew what had previously happened on Gallifrey, where he was on trial for his life. And and she assumes he's that maybe he he was executed by the time lords this time and then he turns it on her and says no i lived everybody else died and which from which she could infer he somehow killed all of his own civilization instead of them killing him and that's actually what happened in the time war in the original version of the time war right except and so except that occurred years and years after tom baker went to gallifrey so he kind of the 10th Doctor fuses the events of the Time War with uh, Tom Baker's recall to Gallifrey and just leaps over all of that intervening time to avoid explaining to Sarah Jane why he never came back. Mm-hmm. Right. So, yes. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So in the at the in the end, we're our our. Our happy crew is gathered again in the TARDIS. Uh, Sarah's, you know, it, it, for a first time in again. Um, 
Oh, and Mickey gets to join the team now after having been entrusted with a valuable task in this episode, which right. is real character development for him. Get all the kids out of this school. That mm -hmm. was an important task, and he did it. And now as his reward, he gets to join the TARDIS crew, although Rose is so selfish, she doesn't want the old boyfriend horning in on her new <laughs> relationship with her new boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the funny thing is Rose was not quite happy with it. But also there's a bit of the, it's my exclusive thing, and now I have to share it with somebody. There's a little bit yeah. of that. Mm -hmm. uh, but, all, but the doctor offers to let Sarah Jane come along as well. And she yeah. says no. She says... Uh, I can't do this anymore. I've got a much bigger adventure ahead. It's time I stopped waiting for you and found a life of my own, which given that it's uh, 30-odd years later yeah. is probably true. Late. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but but it's very interesting. You know, she she's well, gets you know, the offer to go. Well, you know, life, there's... <laughs> <laughs> a hope, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, and so she, she steps off and... Um, that's when they have that interchange about the, you know, something to tell the grandkids and, and yeah. that sort of thing. The TARDIS dematerializes as she turns around and sees a Mark, new iPhone, new, yeah, new, yeah. the K9 the Mark 10 yeah. or the K9 10 with a notch. Uh, no, the, yeah. <laughs> K9 Mark 4, uh, uh, ready to go on uh, the Sarah Jean adventures. So, uh, so, and that's. So that's it. So what's uh, what do we th what do we think of this episode overall? I mean, uh, like we said at the top, uh, you know, it's it's a it's a fan it's service. Fun. Yeah, it's it's fan service. It's a lot of fun. It's also got some big plot holes in it, mm -hmm. but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed seeing Sarah Jane so much and the interaction between her mm -hmm. and and Rose and the Doctor, which is really what this episode is all about. I also liked seeing Mickey get some more love. Um, you know, from the writers, that's, mm -hmm. that's, that was neat. I can, I can overlook the kind of window dressing, you know, or the, the more background stuff that normally I'm all about plot, but, um, I can forgive the plot holes in this one because the rest of the character interaction is so nice. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. And Father Corey, uh, same. Oh, I, I, I'm very much with Jimmy on it. This is just a, just a fun episode. This is one I've always enjoyed. You know, just the scenes, you know, Sarah Jane seeing the TARDIS again for the first time and the interaction with Rose, interaction with Doctor, like Jimmy said, is just, I mean, it, it's just so much fun. So at, uh, I think we mentioned when we were talking about the uh, Tooth and Claw episode that there's an outtake uh, reel for this season that includes the CGI characters making mistakes, quote unquote. I'm making I'm making the quotes on some of my fingers. Ooh. That's good podcasting. Um, yeah. But <laughs> but uh, so there's uh, one scene where the the bat creatures are flying down the hall, and one of them flies into a support column. And so, in other words, they created CGI scenes of the uh, character <laughs> of the characters messing up, which is uh, very humorous. If you find that on on YouTube somewhere. Um, so, yeah, so that's it from us. What did you think of the school reunion? Did you like it? Uh, was was it worthwhile? Are, are you an old-time classic fan who loves seeing Sarah Jane again? Uh, let us know by uh, visiting sqpn.com or the Secrets of Doctor Who Facebook page. Leave us some feedback or send us an email to Who at sqpn.com. Uh, 
You can find links to all our personal social media and websites on our show notes on sqpn.com. Please do check out our newest podcast from SQPN, StarQuest Headlines. It's uh, four headlines every day in two minutes, and uh, we hope you know, check it out, see if you like it. Um, you can even put it on your, your Alexa device uh, from Amazon. Get that in your flash briefing. and uh, So just go to sqpn.com and check it out. Uh, we'll be back next time when we'll be discussing the fourth Doctor episode, Robot. Uh, the first fourth Doctor episode. Exactly. And we'll see Sarah Jane again. Until then, uh, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of Doctor Who. Always glad and thank you. Uh, Jimmy Aiken, thank you as well. Thanks, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening. And remember, I'm their man in Havana. I'm the technical support. I'm... Oh no, I'm the tin dog. When will I see you again? Ah, uh, soon, I expect. Or later. One of those.